0: All right, it's the Ohioan. We are now, the man this year is flying by, Brandon. It is Tuesday, February 23rd. Uh, Craig is on assignment today, work assignment, but Brandon's here. Hey, Brandon, how's it going today?
1: Uh, It's going good, Chris. I'll try to be uh, absent in mind. (laughs)
0: Absent mind. I'm always absent mind. That's the biggest (laughs) critique I get, but no, it's all good. Yeah, um, big day. Or is it absent spirit? I don't know. You get, you get what I'm saying. (laughs) I I think I've actually heard absent mind and spirit, so it's all good. Um, yeah, big day today. Um, pro tip: (laughs) I'm kind of our uh, booker, unofficial booker, I guess, for the show. Um, and. Do not schedule 10 interviews at one time. I was excited. Uh, we, a lot of extra content we could put out there. I did 10 interviews uh, yesterday. I'm still tired from it. so But it's good. I, I bring that up because the promo what we got coming up, a ton of great content is coming out. I uh, was excited to tell Brandon before that we actually had Switchfoot keyboard guitarist Jerome Fontamilis was on the program. We uploaded the podcast this morning. Uh, have fun with Jerome. It was great. Uh, he was talking about uh, they've got a live stream coming up for Brandon this weekend. And I, I got to tell you, Brandon, um, I like thinking about marketing ideas. And, you know, for bands, it's hard for bands. Um, Switchfoot's well known. They do really well. But, you know, even for a band like Switchfoot, it's tough right now because the market, you know, you don't have the classic album sales like you did in the past. It's Spotify plays and, you know, YouTube plays and all this other stuff. Well, what they have, and tell me what you think about this. They're doing a membership program where it's like Netflix. So you're a member of Netflix. You can become a member of Switchfoot. What they do is they do two concerts, one that's kind of like an acoustic uh the band kind of you know plays a bunch of fun stuff in a house or whatever and then the other one they go out live publicly now they're not doing it in front of fifty thousand fans they're doing it empty you know venues or parks or whatever but what they do is they put on a full show. I mean it's plugged in, it's live, it's like you're going to it. So what they're saying is it's like 10 bucks a month. You can actually experience the band like the band is, but you do it online. So I, I, it's an interesting idea. Uh, he was talking about it, and he said um, it's something that's really helped them kind of get through COVID because right now it's tough for bands because bands can't go out and play humongous live shows. Uh, you think it's viable? I mean, it's interesting.
1: Uh, members of Netflix is an interesting way to describe su- subscribers, um, yeah. but that's what they're kind of going for is a subscription model. Um, and you know what? There are a lot, there are some actually some organizations here in central Ohio that are playing around with that too. Um, but I would say that um, switch foot, I think of course might actually have uh, um, a, a, a good base enough already to make that model work in the short term. Um, you know, but of course, you know, everyone's kind of getting subscription fatigued. They've probably yeah. been subscription fatigued more so than COVID fatigue, but um, um Maybe not so much. I mean, some people are so starting. Netflix is doing well on the subscriber front, but um, um, but you know, it's 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 creative. It's um, you know, and um, hopefully they can grow it. And I wish them best luck. Love that was one of my favorite bands when I was uh, adolescent. <laughs> so yeah. um, uh, so um,
0: yeah, go for well, it. And the way you phrase it, obviously, obviously they're not gonna bring out their books or say, hey, we have this number of subscribers or anything. But the way he phrased it was, it really helped them get through, you know, COVID, and we're still in COVID. I mean, COVID's not over, but you know, get through the past year because you know, obviously, we're approaching one year anniversary. It's been tough and everything, and you know, Switchfoot's an interesting band. They've kind of been popular uh, during the old Christian youth group days. You know, they were really well known in Christian music circles, but they they're pretty much everywhere, and they've they've done a really good job of towing that line where. They're definitely faith-based in how they look at things, but they have music that's um, relevant to everybody. I mean, they're played all over the place and stuff. So it was fun. Um, They're also talking about, um, Brandon, uh, there's a huge Christian music festival that's coming up this summer. They canceled last year because of COVID. They're talking about still having it because, again, it's in the summer. It's outdoors. They can be socially distant and everything. And he was talking about the interest in, possibly doing that. I mean, they'd like to do it if they can. They obviously understand if they can. And then also his wife has a card set called Delta Deck. And Brandon, I'm interested in having them back on uh, because their card set talks about trying to engage people in conversation. Because right, right now, you know, everyone is fighting back and forth. A lot of arguments. A lot of You know, you can fight about politics. You can fight about race. You can fight about all kinds of stuff. This is kind of like a Deeper questions set where you can ask each other questions. Uh, spark good conversation and not yell and scream at each other. So a lot of good things. Um, yeah, check out the interview. how had a lot of fun with Jerome. And also, too, we uploaded the Steelers podcast this morning. I uh, had a uh, work colleague, Dan Kadar, from the Acrobeat Control on to talk about the mock draft. And we also talked about the latest of Big Ben and JJ Watt. So lots of fun stuff there. Again, Chase Bank, um, Dropbox. Uh, Manly Man Company. Uh, check these guys out, our sponsors. It helps us out uh, and just helps kind of pay the cost of having a podcast, I'll tell you that. So, click, um, sign up. Lots of good things going on there. And again, hey, had um, interviews with a bunch of people that we'll share later in the week. Uh, Jake Zuckerman of Ohio Capital Journal said, hey, I want to subscribe. And, you know, Brand, this is great. You know, he had his phone out and all he did was type in the Ohio one, it, it came up. And I heard that big subscription. So be like Jake. Jake's a good guy. Um, all you gotta do is go to your favorite podcast provider, type in "Ohioan" or "The Ohioan," and it should come up. Hit subscribe, and you will get all this content to your phone right away. Should be good. All right, man. Uh, I'm worn out. A lot. It's good. We got a lot of stuff to promote, but now I'm tired. So. <laughs> but I guess we should still we should still continue the show. I mean, I, I don't think we got more to talk about. So. Um, lots of stuff happening. Uh, a lot of good reactions to our cocaine cereal story from yesterday. Uh, but wanted to talk about um, a study that came out in the Columbus Dispatch, and I, I gotta tell you how I feel about guns, Brandon. It's not a political feeling. I, I'm not even sure if I told you this story. Um, with, as a kid, I went to this church camp in the summer, and when I say kid, I think it was like middle school, maybe. Um, we had a shooting range at the camp, which is weird. You get middle schoolers guns and you tell them to shoot things. Um, I mishandled the gun. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I, I was kind of like end up facing somebody. And again, I'm not a killer, I wasn't trying to kill anybody, but it scared the heck out of me. You know, I just I, I moved around and the gun was facing something. And thankfully I put it down before anything horrible happened. But ever since then I, I've been kind of paranoid about guns and I'm not it's not a political movement. I just don't like to handle guns. I I'm not gonna fight people who like guns. I mean, there's some people who like guns for hunting. Um, I have a uncle from the Millersburg area that he's felt threatened before. So he, he has concealed carry. It's legal, everything else. I don't want to take his gun away, but I'll be honest, I get very nervous because I'll say it. I'll I'll make the argument. I think guns can cause more harm than good. I don't want to be the guy that takes all of the guns away, but I get a little bit nervous when people have a ton of guns in their house. I I understand freedom, but I think there needs to be some type of limit on the freedom, which we've talked about before. That's our social contract. That's what we do in society. I mean, we can't be savages. There's got to be a little bit of limit on our freedom. Um, so, Brandon, the story I shared with you, and this is a subscription-only story in the Dispatch. Um, right now, you can subscribe a buck for three months. But, uh, so, I mean, it's a good deal and everything, and a lot of great uh, journalism coming off of the Columbus Dispatch. But, but, Brandon, let me read to you a little bit from a story. Uh, the number of single handgun sales in the U.S. likely increased of 81% from 2019 to 2020. And the other big thing was, there were sales spikes um, of these guns, and they corresponded with three events. Uh, Mid-March, when the shutdown due to the pandemic began, uh, the protest in May and June with George Floyd, and the presidential election. And that scares me. And, you know, you can yell fake news or whatever else. No, this is documented stats. Increasing gun sales after those three things happen. And, yes, I can understand you want to protect yourselves, but why it seems like we've become such a polarized nation. And you know, if if we're buying guns because of police protests and everything else, I I, I think it's more than we're just trying to defend ourselves. Right.
1: Um, well, defending yourselves from what you think will happen, I guess, um, is probably one way to put it. You know, yeah it, i have i've i've kind of come to an interesting revelation cuz there's always these usual arguments of why our gun laws the way they are um there are like millions and millions of guns sold every year and then it's only i think the statistics show that maybe maybe about a third of the country actually possesses most of those such firearms um so the two arguments that usually are thrown at to me whenever I have conversations about this with anyone is the first one is, is gun control laws are ineffective. Um, and that because the and that ineffective in the sense that they won't keep criminals away from getting guns. They'll keep um, innocent law abiding citizens um, from getting guns. Notice that of course we, the definition of criminal um, it's something that is kind of sk- skimmed over. We don't. What is a criminal? I mean, look at these mass shootings we had back in the prior years. Were these any of these guys before killing people in mass shootings were they criminals uh, to start with? Um, that's the question I put out there for 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 a quick side note. But the other <clears throat> argument that I find also funny is, um, you know, we can't um, is that we can't have gun control laws because they are effective. And that they'll only empower a tyrannical government in the future or in the near future, and that you, that the uh, Second Amendment keeps our government in check. Um, so, keep look at that kind of contradiction. It's like they say those such uh, gun control laws will only prevent law-abiding citizens from getting them, but makes it but criminals will still get access to weapons. Yet on the other hand, they're, they 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 are so effective, and the other argument. That, that prevents uh law abiding citizens from acquiring weapons if their government was descended into tyranny um it those two those two arguments don't line up with each other but maybe they might have some validity in some ways I'm not saying they're completely wrong to bring those points up but they're always brought up they're it's a, the one that, uh, the the third one that's often brought up is well if we have invaders which I'm just scratching my head like this is 21st century no country like for now it, it doesn't seem feasible or even Impossible that Canada or Mexico are raising armies to enter Texas border or or uh, uh, Minnesota for that matter. Right. Um, <clears throat> so that's like it's either. First of all, I think there needs to be more discussion of what do you mean by criminal? <clears throat> you got, keeping guns. It's easy for criminals to always get a gun, but you know our laws, current law system makes it easy for criminals to get a gun as legally. I suppose is one way you can spin it. But, um, um, you know, and, um, law-abiding citizen, if it's like right now, the issue we have here is law-abiding citizens buying, buying, buying guns, and then there's, it creates, um, totally different, simple free market, market, second-hand market, first-hand markets. You've mentioned you get weirded out by, um, uh people who own um maybe like 20 guns in their house and believe it or not i've come across that in my reporting like when i was uh when i right. was uh, a reporter up in youngstown there was a story up in the strother suburb of a man who owned 20 ar- fire 20 firearms someone broke into his house to steal them <laughs> right um why does he have 20 firearms in the first place i uh, maybe he has a legitimate reason but um Maybe, I, but for me, from for me as someone who doesn't really possess firearms, um, I'm skeptical. But
0: well, um, I, I kind of wonder too. I, where I'm at right now, we don't collect guns like baseball cards, but they're they're, they're legitimate gun collectors, and, and you know these are guns that aren't really loaded and everything. I I'm, I, I guess, brand like I do with all aspects of life, I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm not far left. I'm not far right. And the problem is nobody gives money to political ideas or, or, you know, candidates or mills. So I, I feel like I'm on an island. No one wants me. You know where I'm at. But I think there needs to be a provision for if you want to own guns. But, but I guess, what do you think about this? Let me throw this out. When you drive, like when you get your driver's license for the first time, you know, you They don't just hand it to you if you pay the money. You know, you have to get checked and everything. They have to make sure you're okay. But also, too, you take a driver's education class. You know what I mean? You just don't go right to the driver's license place and say, give it to me. And they give it to you and you go away and drive. Why can't there be, and, and somebody might sit there and say, well, wait a minute. I've used guns in my life. I don't need an education class. But why don't they give an education class just to remind people about what to do everything else. And I, I can't remember how long my driver's ed course was, but have a gun education class. Have a background check. And then after that, hey, if you want a gun, there's a gun. You know what I mean? And then maybe there can be a limitation on what type of gun you have or how many guns you have. Um, I knew a friend, and I, honestly, I don't know the name, and I don't want to call him out on a podcast, but I had a friend that had a semi-automatic gun. He was a veteran, and he got to bring a semi mac gun home. I mean, have you ever seen a semi mac gun shot up close? I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I mean, it's a lot different than just a rifle or a handgun or something like that. Limit those. I mean, you don't need a semi mac gun at your house. I mean, unless you're a <laughs> active military. Here's,
1: here's a fun. Here's an argument made that I that was fascinating to me. Um, you know, people say, "Why not just have a shotgun? Um, a shotgun versus an AR-15, Chris." Apparently, from what people have told me, and I don't know if this is true or not, and oh. I was Twitter Twitter fodder, but um, it's that a shotgun is more destructive on your household. So, let's say in a scenario, uh, if someone broke into your house and you got your shotgun out and you started sh- firing rounds, you're most likely going to destroy your house's interior. Uh, the walls right. and the doors are going to look bad. An AR-15 is not as it's it's just it's a it's it gets the job done, but it's not as destructive. On the woodwork, I suppose is how it's been told to me. That's why an AR-15 might be more or attractive than a um, shotgun is. Then I know Biden had made a uh, president Biden made a, made such a claim like just get a shotgun. Like it, it it's almost like I know. And to me, I'm my the skeptical me is like, well, is that your your house decor more important than this weapon that could be used in a mass shooting? No, an AR-15 has not been. I think from what I've correct Me if I'm wrong, here is I don't think it's been used in every mass shooting or as much. Um, it's just been handguns, shotguns, maybe some semi automatic rifles. But, um,
0: well, well um, f- f- find a gun that's okayable for home use. And, and I know, I mean, right. some people are listening and going, Man, that stinky liberal, what, what's he doing? But I mean, <laughs> I, I'm just sitting here and I'm like, This is ridiculous. I, and you know. I would get afraid. I mean, I've got two kids in the house. Okay. I've been known to fall asleep at the you know, before putting things away. I mean, I would be paranoid. And, and again, maybe you're better than that. Maybe you have a big gun safe and a gun lock. Well, I'm not saying take the guns away. There's gotta be some limitation where having guns in your house isn't like having a baseball cards in the house. You know, oh, I've got five hundred guns or whatever. It just what I don't it's how do we live in a sane society i guess that's what i'm saying and you know back. oh yeah sorry no go ahead go ahead well no i'm just going to move on just talking about the dates where the gun sales have advanced is kind of scary and you were talking about this before saying what people might be afraid of you know that's their response to doing that but to be honest with you it's like my mom called my mom called me when the George Floyd protest started in Columbus, and she was terrified. She was scared. I'm like, Mom, I live 15 minutes outside of downtown. There's no protest up here. You know, the only protest is on downtown, she's like, don't you work downtown? I'm like, Mom, we haven't worked downtown since the pandemic happened. You, you know, hey, unless I drove down there, I'm not involved. It's okay. I'm fine. And, you know, okay, so, Brandon, unless you have an apartment downtown, why do the protests matter? You know what I mean? it doesn't matter what yeah, part
1: of- it's it, well i mean it's kind of the the trade off we get with media reporting of the cuz it feels real on your tv and there's always talk of like how you know m- the media might call it. like you know for example here like how the media covers the Hilltop area uh neighborhood here in the Columbus Ohio area um, um you know it's Hilltop's got issues no doubt but um if someone just went by everything went by you know by what they see on TV about the hilltop area most for most time they probably say, man there must be a shooting going on at every corner street and right. oh gosh it's it's scary down there and you know and that's I mean I've, I live in the area I live in probably one of the nicer parts of the hilltop but it's and not not even what uh, there's like an area called Westgate and that's not even where I live but um, you still like you, you know you can see it's like um, no it's probably a lot of that crime is do, is um, domestic related. Um, probably, um, it's, it's like, doesn't, you're not, you're, you're, you know, you're all in Columbus. I feel like you're only going to get in trouble if you look for trouble that might change as we, as our country, as our uh, city grows here and it's expected to add like another million people by 2050. But, um, to your point though, I think you were bringing up how, why, why can't we regulate guns more the way we regulate driving? I don't think, and I think there's so much pushback on that, um, from that point. And some, I, I don't even know. I mean, guns and guns are a little bit harder to regulate in the same way as a, um, as a, um, vehicle. You can't really, you can you really can't, you know, you, you can modify your vehicle, but not to the point where it has to have a new VIN number, <laughs> like your gun. I think you can modify it to the point where it looks unrecognizable. And A lot of naysayers will say, well, look, you can make a gun, make a firearm going to Home Depot and buy parts. Um, and you can make a, a makeshift weapon too. So they all, there's so many arguments of it's pointless, it's pointless, it's pointless. I would say the biggest, the biggest change we need to have is more self-policing in the sense we need to, we need to have a more, um, create communities of gun owners. We need to have gun owners keep their fellow gun owners in check. That's the system I think we need to have. And if you look at other countries, the one thing that, many of them do have in common that we don't really have over here is the concept of a gun club. And I think that's really a valuable uh, thing to that. We, one little thing we can bring over here is to say, look, you really should be you like somehow find a way to make membership of a gun club necessary. If you want to own any firearm, you want to have concealed carry, maybe tie concealed carry to it. Um, being part of a gun club is requirement. And I think it fits in the spirit of the constitution when it says, you know, you know, well-regulated militia and we do have a national guard. We do have militaries, but it would be really nice to have um, civilian owned civilian run militias that people you and me can be part of. If we want to have a firearm, maybe there's a requirement that we do have like uh, training once a year we're required to go have a certain number of hours at the firing range. I mean, make this the politician can make a better spin, probably saying, look, I'm requiring you to go to the fire range. Um, yeah. you know, gun education class. I think every student in America should be educated on fire, how to use a firearm. And that might help them in their, um, in the case of Grimley, of how to handle a mass shooting. Cause they now understand how the concept of firearms, how to like, okay, this person's reloading. It's a good time to run. That sounds ridiculous, but I think it, it might, might help their chances. I just, it's just like if, but going back to the gun club thing, you know, imagine if we had some of these mass shooters um, or parents or relatives, whoever provided who might have had those guns that provided that might have gone into uh, a shooter's hands. Maybe there's those conversations can come up. Hey, how's your kid doing? I know he's going through a rough time. Hey, um, you know. Hey, folks, make sure your firearms are locked away safe and properly. Those kinds of pure, pure. We need more pure infor- uh, reinforcement of good behaviors like good law abiding citizens. Making sure, encouraging, and reminding people to um, in, do good behaviors, um, and that way, you know, when when something bad does happen, there's going to be penalties from the militia from the gun club. There's going to be penalties, maybe on the gun club from from a higher bureaucratic for- entity. I think if we go more to that system, we'll we won't, it won't feel as intrusive, and it won't. But we might just be as effective.
0: <clears throat> I love that idea. I mean, I think it fits right in what we talked about, the takeaway from yesterday. Like we talked about, you know, Ted Cruz, he left the exodus to go away. Obviously a bad political move. And and we talked about how do you help other people just in general? You know what I mean? Uh, But I'll tell you, Brandon, we get so caught up in our own crap that we don't do that as much. I was thinking yesterday, you know, I spent all day doing interviews. And I can make the argument say, hey, I'm doing something that can be heard by people. You know, it's broadcasting. Maybe I can encourage somebody else to help out. But I spent more time, you know, broadcasting than actually helping people, I guess. And I guess maybe you make the argument that what we do here is trying to help people, which I I think you can make a good argument there. But, like, I found myself, uh, I had to go home and get a mask yesterday. I, I brought me, picked up my kids from school, forgot my mask. They wanted to um, go for a drive through I'm like, hey, I got to get my mask first. So I go down and get my mask. Um, my car gets stuck on the ice. And it was an easy fix. Just got out, shoveled some ice all the way, and we were ready to go. Well, I saw my neighbor coming over, and we waved, hey, how you doing? Well, which is good, but I really wanted to ask him, hey, are you okay from COVID? Anything we could do to help you out? I didn't get that chance because I was too copamon on junk. You know, hey, we got to get Get the kids out to get a snack and everything, you know, which again, okay, I'm helping my kids, which is good. I'm, I waved at the neighbor, I didn't like flick them off or anything, but I, I, I love your idea of the, you know, gun club and everything. I'm wondering if it's too much of a culture change to change people around to the ability of, being a community, trying to help each other out, uh, trying to show empathy for each other. Because, Brandon, we don't. I mean, I'm sure it's that way to the hilltop. I mean, I, I respect you and your wife a lot for actually getting involved. Like, your wife's part of a, a association that helps out people in the area. I mean, uh, that's great. I mean, your wife's great for that. But not many people even do that. They just go home, you know, put their you know garage door up, and they, <laughs> they're inside all night. You know, so... I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm wondering what you're saying is a hundred percent correct. I'm, I'm wondering if people will go for that.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's going to be the crux of it is how do you do, how do you, how do you make it so people will, will join? I mean, you know, I think and that's where you have like carry and stick methods. Maybe it's hard to say whether you can make a pass a law that says everyone's required to be part of it. If you even own a firearm, um, it's like that could be that could be some wrinkle that could wrinkle some feathers. Maybe you just say, look, um, if you want to own more than one firearm, you have to join. Maybe you want to tie conceal carrying to join it. Um, there is something unhealthy though. I don't care what what where you are on this. There's something unhealthy to me if there's some recluse hiding in their house with 20 firearms and then. That twenty firearms seems to be always a recurring number to me because it happened again, where I heard in down here in Delaware County where someone knew someone had some firearms in a house and tried to break in. <laughs> it's like these are magnets for criminals in that sense. It's it's um, and th- that person probably got all of his firearms legally or at a gun shop or a gun show, um, and um, you know, and that's another thing with gun shows. I mean, gun clubs could maybe you say only gun club members can go to a gun show. Only uh, gun clubs can organize gun shows. Um, trying to really, really find a non-intrusive way to regulate the 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 peer-to-peer yeah. transaction of selling and exchanging firearms. Because you know, me and my wife were down at a, a like a an area that's usually kind of becomes like a, a a swap meet, and uh, when it's really hopping or whatnot, guy, there were some guys out there with tables selling antiques and other trinkets and firearms. Yeah. It's like I don't. If if it's wrong of me to say there's something wrong with this picture, my God. I'm not I I don't I'm with you. I don't think we need to get rid of get take everyone's guns away. And maybe we don't. I don't even know if we necessarily need to limit what kind of firearms they possess. But I do think we should focus for I think we do need to cultivate more of a community. I think of it you might you might this is kind of a grim way to put it, but the call it the church of guns. I don't I don't mean like it's it's like, you know, in a sense like (laughs) Um, you know, it's, there's something unhealthy, you know, unhealthy in the sense where you don't have any, when you lack community and it's just someone who owns firearms and, you know, they're doing their own thing. Um, but, you know, it's like, um, whereas, you know, versus when you have a church, you know, you're playing part of a community, people, you're going to talk to people, you're going to have like, um, you know, you're kind of forced to sit and together in the pews in that sense, pre-COVID. Um, and then, but that sparks conversation, sparks friendship, sparks uh, p- good, good, happy peers, and those peers actually help you do well in your spiritual journey. Um, I don't see why we can't try to cultivate that kind of community among our our gun owning American citizens, um, and I think you might get more intangible benefits that way.
0: Well, it's a fascinating discussion. It, you know, hey, we're on the internet a why- lot. I guess the world is our community, which is, I guess, the argument that some people would make. But then on the other hand, the communities you live in, you know, it's a hilltop area for Brandon. I live in the Walnut Creek subdivision, a community over here in Columbus, too. And it's like, how do you get more involved in your community and, and get active? And um, if nothing else, just check in your neighbor. You don't have to knock on every neighbor's door in your you know, neighborhood, but just, you know, Open your doors sometimes. You know what I mean? And, and there's a lot of good people out there. And I think it helps this idea of watching out for each other. Uh, my neighbor lives across the street. He'll check in on people. Hey, how you doing? How's everything okay? And he does that because he serves as a watchdog for the neighborhood. And And I'm not talking uh, someone who says, hey, they're smoking weed in their house. It's not that. It's more of making sure that, like, if he knows that you're out on vacation, he'll let you know if somebody's at your house checking in and, you know, hey, bravo to him. Yeah, it's good. I mean, make sure the neighborhood stays safe. And I think that's good. I know we started out talking about guns, but part of it is just checking making sure people are okay. Yeah, community it's building. Thing. It's yeah. it's
1: something we don't have in our neighborhoods as much. But, um, you know, it's how do you build a sense of community today when we're all more alienated than ever? Um,
0: it's, well, um, it's, a, it's a question for the day. Oh, and and... Jeez, we could talk about this for hours. And hey, maybe, maybe your wife could make her first appearance because you know she's involved in the comedian. Yeah, hilltop. If you're not in Columbus, you're like, hey, what's this hilltop to talk about? Yeah, hilltops in the news, and and it's tough. And you know, like I said, I, I respect your wife for what she does with that. And yeah, we'll, we'll see if she comes on. Uh, my wife doesn't want to come on. She told me. But hey, maybe your wife will come on someday. <laughs> we can hope and we can dream, Brandon. It'll be fun. All right. Well, hey, there's some other stuff we want to make sure we get to talk about before we end up uh, closing shop for the day. thought this was interesting. Brandon, I thought you'd be excited about this, because you're a proud Columbus Crew season ticket holder. Um, lots of COVID news yesterday. I, I want to give a shout out to Max Philby. Um, Brandon, when COVID first started, remember, we tried to have Max on the show and Max had to cancel at the last minute. Um, we did our Saturday morning COVID show. Remember that? Uh, I think it was about a year ago we were trying that. But, um, yeah, Max couldn't make it that day. But Max came on uh, yesterday. We'll release that as soon as we can this week. Uh, But Max talked about COVID. He had a really good story in the Columbus Dispatch talking about why are the COVID numbers dropping. Uh, It's been a subject that we've talked about here on the show for a while. So definitely check the article out. But in conjunction with that, Uh, DeWine had a press conference yesterday, and he was one of his announcements was talking about how the crew, Reds, Indians, Clippers, pretty much every Ohio team with an outdoor stadium now is able to have 30% capacity at their games. I know the Columbus Blue Jackets, indoor hockey, uh, I think they're allowed to have 10%. And the difference is, you know, obviously, outdoor is a little bit more safer for COVID than indoor. I think this is good news. I'm feeling more confident that even though COVID doesn't go away, it's a little bit safer in the summer because you can be outside and around people and more or less socially distant. So uh, you got to be excited about this. I think this is good news. And I think as long as we behave and don't go crazy, it's kind of a step back to normalcy, I would say. Right.
1: Yeah. It's a step back. Um, it's going to be a bittersweet year Crew's supposed to be opening uh, their new stadium in the summer. Um, and that's going to be lackluster opening. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, they're only able to open at 30% capacity. Um, and it's going to be maybe man, the ticket the ticket. I don't know how they're going to deal out tickets, <laughs> but, um, um, in that sense, maybe we'll see how, um, maybe obviously people who have bought, maybe premium seating. will get, uh, first rights to go to the game if they will feel comfortable. And then, um, They'll probably open it up to the Nordeka, which is supposed to seat like thirty-three hundred people, which is a exponentially huge increase from the small corner we're located in the old stadium.
0: Well, what's but, the capacity uh, of the
1: new stadium? Capacity It's probably around twenty thousand, probably okay. a little bit, maybe maybe a little bit, a little more. Yeah, soccer fields of they they keep the in America they they're trying to keep around that twenty thousand figure, and I think that might it might be a slightly more than that. Uh, what Matt Free or excuse me, Cruise Stadium. It's no longer Matt Free Stadium. Um Cruise Stadium had um so um um So you're looking yeah. at six thousand for curve games. Six thousand yeah, 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 thirty percent be six thousand. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think they're gonna they're not gonna fill up the it's thirty three hundred like, oh all thirty three hundred are going Nordec no it'll be spread out and it'll yeah, be yeah. maybe they'll go for half I mean I think it's good that they were allowed to have some com- attendance last last season, so that way they could experiment and make sure that their protocols were being followed. Um, and we still got a little time. It's still February, and um, who knows what's going to happen in April when they start playing games. Um, so that's where we're kind of at right now. Um, and, you know, va- vaccine rollout is is going despite everyone being confused and. Some being annoyingly confused, but um, um but um, it, it'll it'll all get meshed well together as the months come come by.
0: Yeah, I, I think back. Um, I was in a meeting last week with some of our fellow reporters from the Canton Repository, and there was one reporter up there that said, "I am getting so many calls. She's literally signing people up on the phone, and, and she's doing that. It's a community service." um and i i admire her for doing that it's great but i mean it's it, it tells where we're at in terms of vaccine science when reporters are you know all the goodness of a heart trying to sign people up, up over the phones for vaccines yeah it, it's very interesting but no i'm and i would honestly you know i feel better about this i mean my family was big visitors to columbus zoo because we wanted to get out in the warmth last summer and we felt that the zoo did a pretty good job of keeping people apart, which was good. And, you know, we definitely wanted to take advantage of the zoo. And, hey, you know, I'm I'm not one to go into big crowds, but, hey, I'm, I wouldn't mind checking out some outdoor stuff this year. And, you know, for places to take the family and be outside, hey, I, I'm down. So it, it should be good. I, I wonder how much tickets will be. I, I don't think the team's upcharged. But I know, like, for the Steelers, they allowed, like, 1,000 people, like, a real a small number. And they were saying on the side market, you know, these tickets are going for as much as 500 bucks, just because not many people can come. So I'm wondering, like, I, I don't see the crew charging, like, 1000 bucks a ticket, but I'm wondering if you buy it secondhand, how much those tickets are going to be.
1: I mean, the MLS Cup tickets, I think, uh, for the crew game last year were, were ridiculous, Um, probably – Way more than a thousand, I, I think
0: it's uh, right. It was and, bad, <laughs> and that's just fact. It was a title game, but you know, not many people could come, so like the demand w- would have been much higher. So, yeah, I, I know exactly it m- makes it definitely very interesting. Uh, one to briefly mention is um, another story in the dispatch uh, yesterday on the Ohio State abuse um, allegations, and um, you know, we look at Richard Strauss. Uh, he was a a Doctor with Ohio State, like a trainer, and um, he's accused of hundreds of, of abuse situations. Uh, Brandon, it was interesting. Ohio State has already paid out $46.7 million uh, with 185 uh, plaintiffs who allege abuse by him. Uh, there's still lawsuits uh, representing hundreds of other plaintiffs that remain pending. Um, you know, Craig's not here, so we'll mention. You know, one of the people tied into that situation, you know, it goes back to Jim Jordan, you know, U.S. rep. Uh, there's just some questions. Uh, he was involved with the Ohio State wrestling team for a while. And there's some questions about what he knew, what he didn't know. Um, you know, nothing's come out yet, but that, and trying to be fair here, I would say that question still hangs over Jordan. Is that fair to say without being.
1: No, it's something that's come. It's. It's uh it's kind of Woody Allen esque if you know what I mean. So I don't yeah. like I, nothing. No, so there's there's the the haze, the smoke, the stick, but does it it doesn't stick? I don't know if to be have any ramifications. I don't know. It's bizarre, but um,
0: yeah. Well, these are just questions. Um, not you know they're, they're not like uh, well. I, I guess they're allegations of questions that haven't fully been answered. I guess. But, no, but I was going to mention, Brandon, um, so, so George Clooney is going to do a documentary on this. It'll be interesting. It's a documentary, but, you know, sometimes these documentaries raise more questions, and it's almost like, um, you know, it's almost like a news report, kind of, even though it's more of a documentary that's meant to sell and everything. I, I, you think they'll find out more from this? I mean, it'd be interesting to see what Clooney finds out.
1: Seriously, um, docuseries, I feel like, they're not necessarily they may may find unravel some new information, you know, kind of there's something maybe like when you're it's kind of docu-series are kind of like done in the vein of like enterprise reporting in a sense. Um where you really just it's it's like sometimes it's funny how we go through these stories and we see names in the paper or names on TV, but then to really have just someone kind of sit down in a in a you know in a living room or in a or in a in a, some r- room, and there's just the cameras just focus entirely on them and their facial reactions. And then, like, seeing the B roll happen, occur while they're talking, maybe. Um, usually, there's more, it, it, that kind of strives for a more powerful, um, bringing the story, powerful effect of bringing the story to life. Um, so, uh, maybe that's what's going to be, it might turn what we already know into really hammering a point down. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting um, series. I'm sure. I don't know if it'll necessarily be kind of in the vein of making a murderer, (laughs) Uh, the kind of show like Netflix has put out. You know, where like there's always some new revelation. Oh my gosh, this person's innocent or whatever. Um, But um, or or like, but uh, at the very least, it might help bring the story to life. Is at the should be the end end goal minimum at minimum.
0: Well, and the other hard thing about it's like with George Clooney. I'm not saying he's not going to tell the truth, but with a documentary, you, you know, there's not journalistic standards with it. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, well, not, not, I would disagree with that. Okay. Not
1: every do- documentaries are not monolithic. You're going to okay. have your Michael Moore's. Yes. You're going to have, you're going to have, but you'll, you know, I would argue Ken Burns documentaries are, are, uh, our docu-series are kind of journal, are journalistic in that sense. I mean, they, you know, it's it's no different format than um, I mean journalists are even asked to do more video in these day, this day and age. Right. It's just how will you cook it, and you're you're still this is really the heart of any uh, journalists and documentary people do 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 the same thing in a sense of where do you put where does the documentary put his camera at? He's right. making a news judgment uh, decision just like a reporter will make a decision on what they decide to cover, how to cover it. Those things, and, and those things are often always coming under scrutiny, and that's a fair conversation, a fair point to have. Um, but yes, there are some documentaries like the Michael Moore who who have an agenda and have, but I would even argue Moore's, Moore's documentary is more of a, kind of comes off more as an arg- arg- argument piece. Like, here's my argument, just tell me I'm wrong, kind, of, kind yeah. of jive. That's how he's always approached it, but
0: not every documentary does it that way. Well, and we haven't talked to Clooney yet, and I'm not saying Clooney is just there to rip Strauss or Ohio State or whatever, but 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 no, I kind of wonder if a documentary, it's not like if I say, hey, Brandon, you know, for your work, do an investigation on whatever. I mean, hey, you're 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 bound and responsible for reporting it the way it is. You know what I mean? And I, I wonder if sometimes this documentary, like you're right, Michael Moore. Sometimes I think documents can be more of arguments, but it'll be interesting how clean it does it. And I, I, hopefully it does it great. Uh, and I think really with this Richard Strauss thing, we know what happened. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, oh, Richard Strauss was innocent. Nothing ever happened. I mean, <laughs> with Ohio State paying $46.7 million out, they don't pay it out just to shut people off. They pay it out because something happened. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, allege what exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's facts. I
1: mean, there's, there's facts and, you know, Clooney's produced and we don't know how involved Clooney's going to be. If he's just chunking a lot of money to make this production to happen, or if he's going to be narrating it, or if he's going to be involved, we don't know how heavily he's involved, but at the same point, all we know is he's producing it. So, um, um, you know, it's, it's gonna, it's, there's gonna be a crew that's going to follow the story and follow the facts and, they're just going to really connect, hopefully connect well with people involved and create an environment for them to really
0: tell their stories. Well, I'm wondering if as news organizations because we're, we're all tight budget. Um, you know, I work with some big places like the Dispatch, and Sunset Quarry. I work with some smaller places too. We're all low on budget. You know, if you're big or small or anywhere in between. I wonder if news organizations should partner with celebrities. We talk about ways of reporting more news and everything. Man, wouldn't that be great? We got to yeah, on some slow box. Yeah. Call slow for yeah, documentaries. That'd be great.
1: Well, I mean, you know, it'd be cool if they, um, I mean, that's the thing with, with uh, we talk about, man, the news media industry today, you know, it's, you know, how can you make it compelling, produce compelling content or content that is compelling enough um, to peep for people to subscribe. Um, it's always been the question of the day. And man, it's easy for Netflix to get the subscriptions because they put out entertainment, whereas, you know, newspaper news organizations putting out, you know, information, journalism. It's putting out, um, you know, it's trying to put out put out the facts, um, even though today facts are are now sub, are subjective and spun and now they're more opinion than fact. Who knows? It's just it's it's a uh, it's a tough chat task for them. But so how can you kind of. Um, uh, create, make it compelling, I guess. Is how do you package the, the journalism in a compelling way for people to say this is worth my time to subscribe? That's uh, just always a, that's a tough task.
0: And, that's, nice. uh, well, it, and let me bring up kind of a of... <laughs> Let me do something really dangerous. Let me bring up a brainstorming idea with you, Brandon. Because I was talking with one of the people I talked to yesterday about this. You know, one of the things we do here on the Ohioan, we we like to share interesting ideas like. Um, Jerome Fondamill is from uh, Switchfoot. His wife has a Delta Deck, and we talked about that. Delta Deck has nothing to do with Switchfoot. It's just his wife has got a project. It's interesting. We'd like to bring her on to discuss that project. Okay, George Clooney is not going to do a documentary on New Ohio. Uh, let's, uh, or release a documentary on our website. You know, It's kind of silly to mention that. But if you're a scribing filmmaker and you're like, hey, I want a venue to show my stuff. Hey, we'd be willing to help you out. Um, I, Brandon, I was talking about maybe doing a fun Twitch series on a season of, like, The Crew or The Steelers. And, yes, it's definitely not a documentary, but it's it's content we want to release. And, hey, it gets out to the bigger uh, public. Um, Brandon, I'll tell you offline, um, I'm actually talking to a church about running a program that they want to do and host it on our website. You know what I mean? And again, it could be under the Ohioan name, but it's a way of getting your message out. So if you're out there and you want to say, hey, I want to get my message out to more people, talk to us. We'll be willing to host your stuff. Um, And I was also thinking, Brendan, too, and uh, don't look at me too weird if I say this. What's the biggest thing right now? Comedy specials, Okay. You know Netflix they have a comedy specials. Amazon has a comedy specials. Okay, Brandon, we're not Netflix. we don't have the budget to uh, pay millions for a comedy special. but if you're a small comic out there, um, if you're someone who wants a place to debut some material, let us know. Uh, we can you know put on maybe upload 10 minutes of video re- directly to our site, tell your friends to come, check it out, and we can host some stuff like that. What do you think about that? Oh,
1: that sounds like a lot of fun,
0: Chris. Right, and and honestly, again, we're not—you know, Jim Gaffigan's not going to, you know, have his next comedy special in the Highland or anything else like that. But if you're someone trying to make a name for yourself and get your name out, we want to host some of your content on our website. It's a great way of sharing. So let's know—we
1: go, we go, we go, Jim Gaffigan, or we go home, Chris. I'm not (laughs) gonna. (laughs) I want hot
0: pocket jokes all night long it's probably going to be more of the Bob Garver comedy special, if you know what I mean. It's going to be small. It's going to be small to start. I mean, basically, we don't have the budget. I mean, Netflix says this money where they can spend billions on content acquisition. Um, I'm not saying what our budget is, but it's definitely under a billion. I'll put it that way. So, But no, honestly, it's more of a way, an easy way of getting your content out to more people than you had before. We'll just put it like that. But we're always in, in, in interested in bring out new content, and we're already doing that with Paul Janchek. He's one of our podcasters on uh, the Sealers podcast, and he has his own YouTube channel where he's talking about book reviews. He's sharing some devotionals and everything, and we're more than happy to help Paul out that way. So if you're out there, let us know, we'll talk to you, and it should be good. So, man, I'm excited. Hey, so George Clooney, if you want a place to debut your your documentary of Richard Strauss... We're here for you. It'll be good.
1: Uh-uh. I'm sure Sure, Clooney's got refiner taste in the Ohioan.
0: Yeah. yeah. Check your cell phone, Brandon. You might have George Clooney on your phone sometime today. And and, I'll, and you'll call me all excited and I'll say, hey, I told you so. It should be good. Hey, I wanted to close out the show today by talking about some food stuff. And, Brandon, this is really exciting. Taco Bell has her chicken coming out. Uh, we talked about how every restaurant in America is on this chicken kick. Um, it's They found a side door entry to the Chicken Wars, they're saying. Um, you know, Ta- Taco Bell is doing the crispy chicken sandwich taco. Uh, if you see the picture, Brandon, it's a crispy chicken, a little cheese sauce. It looks like a jalapeno on there, and then a taco shell. The taco shell looks a little bit more breaded. I mean, it's not like the crunchy taco. I don't know. I know Craig's kind of sick of the Chicken Wars. Um, your wife, I think, likes Taco Bell. If I remember right, what do you think about this? She
1: well, won't be enjoying the chicken sandwich. I'll tell you that. But um, okay, you know, this is, uh, you know, if you can't beat them, why then join them? I suppose and do it in your own in your own way. I mean, this is this is the beautiful thing about Taco Bell. It's just it it can go anywhere. You know, um, um, I just think. Um, um, we'll see how it pans out with the, with the, with the base. I mean, talk the problem with Taco Bell, I feel like you, once you fall in love with something, they'll take it off the menu. Um, so who knows Uh, you know, people, uh, you know, tread carefully.
0: <laughs> well, and I, I guess here's my thing that I get concerned about with Taco Bell. Do you want to go to Taco Bell for chicken? I guess that's what I'm saying. Like if, you know, if it's supper time, your your wife's like, "Man, let's go out for dinner," and you're like, "Man, I'm hankering for chicken." How Taco Bell gonna be at the top of your chicken list? You know what I mean? If you say, "I want a chicken sandwich," oh, well,
1: that's that's why they have a marketing budget, Chris. Yeah,
0: <laughs> they gotta
1: do a, they gotta do an excellent marketing campaign. If, if you don't, it's 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 not gonna it's not gonna make me compelled to go out. And I mean, they do, and I think Taco Bell has done a very good job with marketing and. You know, yeah. their nacho fries are done in the vein of a movie theater commercial, and those are always kind of cheesy, <laughs> yeah. but or nacho? I don't know, but uh, um, it works. You know, it, it's like I'm, I know, no, I know they exist, and I'm now whenever I, I'm in craving a nacho fry, I'm gonna think of Taco Bell, I guess. But um, um, you know, I'm sure they'll. That's that's a pr- problem. I mean, I'm a new point for them, so.
0: Well, I guess what I'm saying, and you're right, obviously, it's all up to marketing. And, hey, you know, we saw the article, and, hey, it worked that way, and we're talking about here right now. But I'm kind of wondering, too, like, you know, from newspaper marketing, they talk about SEO. They talk about how to get your story on the first page of a search for whatever you're writing about. I'm wondering if that chicken search is going to be hard for Taco Bell to get themselves into. And, yeah, they have a marketing budget for that, but is it worth the marketing spend? To try to get into a really crowded field, I guess, I guess that's what
1: I'm saying. I mean, S- SEO, SEOs, man, with the marketing budget, they can just pay for ads in the front, first page, yeah, first, and it's probably them. So SEO is some SEO is only something you take seriously as a small, small, small time player, probably. I mean, not to say bigger companies dive in SEO, but you know, more so on the um, um. Definitely, I mean, it's not as, like, a huge reliance on being a wizard at it, I'm sure. But, um, uh, I, you know, I, it's going to be, we'll have to see if you're, I think you're You're right on, was Taco Bell, was I craving a chicken version, chicken sandwich version of Taco Bell? Probably not. It was not even in my, not even something I thought was conceivably possible. But, right. props to them for trying. And maybe, no, who knows, maybe this is, like, the way we'll all want to consume chicken sandwiches going forward.
0: No, I'm famously known those are really picky eater. I'm looking at that picture right now, and I'm not. Ugh. I'm not. I'm not fascinated. I mean, like, and we've talked about some of the podcasts. There's been other things like Marcus Pizza Bowl. I'm just like, man, we gotta get the Marcus. We gotta get to Marcus. I, I just want to to grilled chicken podcast.
1: sandwich. I wish they would yeah. create a really good grilled chicken sandwich. I, I think the grilled chicken sandwich has been kind of left behind, and it's not. You know, come on. And also, maybe, uh, you know, for keto people like me, like wrap it in a nice lettuce bun or something, or nice, the grilled chicken. I mean, Mike, if anyone, any fast food listening to places or CEOs listening to the Ohioan, please, please, grilled chicken market is is important too.
0: (laughs) Well, people are starting to do that. Like, I was asking why they're doing all the bowls. Well, they're trying to appeal the keto people. Now, Subway didn't do a great job with that, but hey, it's okay. Uh, oh, quick note on that, um, I was showing you the other day about how my wife gave me a $25 Subway gift card. <laughs> she may not have be been listening to podcasts. Maybe that's why I got the Subway gift card. But I, I took my daughter out to eat last night, and I'm like, all right, I got the gift card. Let's do that so we don't have to spend extra money. And you got to be proud of me. I did not do the protein bowl. I actually went with the regular sandwich. and my daughter I I was halfway willing to say, but I know how to explain it to her. How do you explain a protein bowl to eight year old? Hey, you know, do you want like I asked her what she wanted, and she said turkey. So I got her a turkey sandwich. And how do you explain putting turkey into a bowl? You know, hey, would you like a turkey in a bowl? You know, I, I don't know how to say that, so I, I'm not sure how uh, Chris saying, she'd be at that. Yeah, we're
1: you're, you're kinda of getting your wish right now, but um uh, my wife is actually overhearing my podcast as we speak, and she's Whoa. messaging. She's sending Facebook messages and texts, and she's saying, "Vegan market. Vegan need. Vegans need food. So, any oh, wow. CEO of a fast food place, please, please be mindful of the vegans. Um, please okay. put out a vegan market after my grilled chicken, though. I don't. I don't. You know, grilled okay. chicken uh, specialty. But then go to the." <laughs> Uh go to the vegans So um
0: so she's not gonna get the crispy chicken sandwich then, right?
1: Not unless they come up with a vegan version. <laughs>
0: right. Uh well I'm with her too. I'm not I'm not that excited about the crispy chicken. Hey, before we go, let's end up. Um we gave so much PR to Popeyes. I'm still waiting on my check. Can imagine, we talked about Popeyes last year for what, probably eight weeks in a row? Uh we were we were talking about the sandwiches, and reviews. We are talking about all the crazy pop culture stories and everything. Um, let me close the this. Popeyes, and I, I guess we're getting to the Lent season. A lot of Catholics like, you know, eating fish sandwiches during this time. Popeyes is into the fish sandwich. Now, brand enough against our Catholic friends. I'm not a fish guy, so I'm not that excited about it. Wait, are you think we're going to be fighting over fish sandwiches? Right? Are we going to be talking about Popeyes fish sandwiches for the next eight weeks?
1: Well, I don't know. Fish is kind of more fickle with people, but you know, um, I was funny. I was driving down, uh, in my neighborhood the other day, or going home from an errand, and we saw like this Catholic church or whatever. Um, man, it was. I think they're doing usually the fish market, um, fish fry Friday, fish fries during Lent season are always popular. and Usually, people go and just eat, 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 sit down and eat like they would yeah. at any normal place. And there's like, but I think they're doing it drive-through style this year because of the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Okay, um, it was long line, long line, and I was just we were it was getting cutting into the track, getting into uh, uh, the traffic roadways, and it was kind of it was so it was manageable. I mean, it was like they were in a, in a kind of a right turn only lane anyway, but um, um, it was just kind of uh, kind of fascinating. And that another another pandemic has turned something normal into something uh, more of That's a hardship.
0: Crazy. I, I wonder what the so, fish market. I wonder what the fish market is like for local restaurants. You always hear about the filet of fish from McDonald's, and you know Popeyes is dipping their toe in. I guess if they're fishing, which, does it make a ton of money? I mean, again, I'm a Catholic like, and I don't like fish. I'm,
1: I'm, it's funny because McDonald's, you know, with chicken, it's always fickle with chicken because, like, they used to have yeah. a spicy chicken sandwich like years oh, yeah. ago, like probably 2004. They got rid of it after a while because they think, I guess, Wendy's had a better chicken spicy chicken sandwich. But valet fish has been a consistent uh, food menu on the item, and they've always had it year-round. Usually they do a special during Lent season. You know, you get two for five or something. Um, so it's worthwhile enough to keep it. And, I mean, that says something for about the item, I, I, would, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I Are you a fish guy at all? Oh, I love
1: fish. Uh, oh, yeah. I love it more in the vein of fish and chips. Um, you okay. Know, but uh, I wish, I wish again. I kind of wish there was more of a grilled version. <laughs> right. Not bread. The bread. Bread, 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 bread and crispy is good. I love it. But man, if for it'd be nice to have my cake and eat it too moment. If there was like a grilled, maybe if people did more of the grilled fish kind. Um, um, but you know we. Our gives and takes in this world. I I now enjoy more of my fish, fish, uh, fish and chips at the Dublin Irish Festival, yeah, okay. um, which does, which uh, happens usually in August in Dublin, Ohio. But um, um, has uh, hopefully that event will come back this year. Um,
0: yeah, but yeah, very good. Well, hey, we solved a lot of problems today. It was good from guns to fish and everything in between. Lots of good stuff. Um I just gotta be a social media post
1: from guns <laughs> to fish.
0: Yes. <laughs> oh my all, gosh, all they're the, using guns to hunt the fish. <laughs> all the hot keywords, you know, that we're all searching for today. It'll be good. But yeah, so yeah, definitely a big day. Check out the podcast. I know a lot of sewage fans out there. We're trying to make Brandon a sewage fan. I don't think we're ever gonna get there, but hey anyway, we, we could try. Um, yeah, so check out the sewage podcast, check out uh, Jerome from Switchfoot. Talking about all, I think the Switchfoot and the Delta Deck, and uh, you know, keep keep clicking our sponsors and you know j- checking them out, and keep subscribing. Like I said, be like Jake Zuckerman. I won't be like Jake. Jake's a cool guy. Let's all be like Jake Zuckerman. Subscribe to the podcast and 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 also subscribe your wife. Your wife's a big subscriber to podcast. We're we're excited about that. So very good. Well, anything else we want to shout out before we get out of here, Brandon? Uh, No, nothing left, Chris. Uh, Nothing left for me. I I usually have something at the end, but I'm all all wiped clean, so it should be good. So, hey, enjoy your Tuesday. Uh, Hopefully we'll have Craig back. I think he had, like, a work assignment today. Um, For Brandon, for Brandon's wife, thanks for your contributions. And for me, uh, thanks for checking out the Highland. Have a great day, and have a good one.